wellness isn't always sunshine and roses or even self-care and boundaries, which you know we love to talk about over here on it. Keep yourself well. Sometimes it's battling with your body just to survive. I'm Kelly Youngstrom, and this is Keep Yourself Well. I know we talk a lot about basic wellness on this podcast, but sometimes a major health event is thrust upon us, forcing us to completely shift our priorities and make ourselves and our health number one priority. Tirza Cooper is my guest today. She's recently engaged, living mom life in a blended family. She's got a full-time job while also being a photographer. And at 36 years old, she's now also battling breast cancer and she's doing it very openly. Hi, Tirza. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Callie. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am really honored to have you as a guest and have the opportunity for you to share your story and highlight your journey. And I want to start how we always do, which is asking the question, how do you keep yourself well? Because I'm very curious how you'll answer this, especially with your new journey. Right. So um, a month ago, I probably would have answered it a little bit differently. Um, Overall, I, I do consider myself a healthy well person. Um, I'm 36 years old. I'm active. I go to the gym. I don't have any underlying issues or any health concerns. Um, but I did recently get diagnosed with uh, stage two breast cancer. Uh, so I found out in June. So the past, the past couple months have been, um, very different on how I consider my health now and how I, how I think of everything and how I manage everything and how I've just been, uh, researching everything. So it's a little bit of a different answer. I still consider myself healthy, (laughs) even though I'm sick and undergoing chemo currently, but, um, overall I still feel healthy. I think that's so powerful though. The, the mindset of still identifying as a healthy person, I can imagine. And of course, you know, I, I'm not in your shoes. I can't speak personally, but I can imagine it does no service to, you know, identify as being sick every single day. I think that's a really powerful thing to still identify as healthy. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm really big on mindset. Um, I listen to lots of podcasts about mindset and, um, for me, this whole journey process has really been about mindset. Um, so when I found out, I, it, it's kind of an interesting story. Like, I don't know if you want the, yes. the backstory. <laughs> um, so I work for a breast reconstructive plastic surgeon. Um, so she spe- specializes with women who have breast cancer um, and we do the, the reconstruction part. So I've worked for her for five years. Um, I have a lot of experience with this particular type of cancer my, my surgeon who I work for, she's a female. She also is a cancer survivor. So she's had breast cancer herself. She's had reconstruction. She said chemo. Um, so it's kind of ironic that out of all the things I end up getting breast cancer while I'm working for her, but it puts me in a kind of a unique situation where I do know quite a bit about the topic and I see I see the other side of it and I've been on the other side of it, helping these women go through it. So, um, now, I mean, I just, I've seen, I've seen it go both ways where I've seen it destroy women's lives. Um, and I've also seen it be a positive thing where it just makes things so much more important. And that's kind of why, I'm choosing to have the mindset of, of that approach, I guess, just kind of, you know, yes, I'm sick, but I'm, I don't feel sick and I feel healthy and I'm still young and I still have a future. So I look sick and I technically am sick, but, um, the mindset part definitely helps. Yeah. Well, controlling what you can with that attitude. And I mean, it is, it's so powerful and I mean, good for you, because I can only imagine that's a lot easier said than done once you're in it and, you know, feeling the side effects of chemo and everything else, but to 
share your story too must feel like you're having so much purpose within this journey for yourself. So I would love to know how you, how did you end up getting diagnosed? Like you recognized signs and I didn't know, I knew you worked for a plastic surgeon. I had no idea that is such a crazy coincidence that it's within this realm. It is like, it, it almost feels like, um, if it was meant to happen, it was, it was meant to happen to me. And maybe it's, you know, my purpose to help others or just bring awareness. So, um, at, like the type of breast cancer I have is I found it with a lump initially. So every type of breast cancer, like every, everyone's journey, everyone's story will be completely different. Um, for me, I was prone to getting these benign tumors. So it would just be little lumps that I would feel. Um, and I would go and get an ultrasound done and they would come back and say, it's benign, nothing to worry about follow up in six months. So I've been dealing with that for a couple of years. They're like, Oh, it's nothing to worry about. You're just prone to getting benign tumors. And eventually they'll just go away. Um, a couple of years ago, I did have a, a biopsy on, on one on the left side and they said, same thing. It was nothing. So, um, I actually found this one in my right side last August. Um, so I, I was in Spain and I noticed it cause I was wearing lots of bikinis and I could actually see it through my skin. Um, so I went, when I got home, I went and got an ultrasound and same thing, just a new benign tumor, uh, repeat in six months. So I, I did in February of this year and it was the same thing. It hadn't changed in size, same thing, come back in six months, but it grew like drastically in May. So in May, I had another ultrasound and it had like, it had grown. It was almost two centimeters big. So they did a biopsy and that's when I found out. Wow. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness you were staying on top of it and being so proactive. Yeah. And I think that's the most important part. Like it's not so much how I found it. It's just early detection is exactly the message I want to get across. Like early detection is what will save your life. Um, so it means, you know, staying, doing your regular like breast exams on yourself or going to the doctor and doing them. Or, you know, if you have a mammogram, have a mammogram every year. Um, there is kind of a, tricky way around the whole mammogram thing. Um, a lot of people have messaged me asking like, well, how do I get a mammogram? Like I'm only 30 or 40. Uh, they don't recommend getting a mammogram until you are 50 or older. So it's, I don't know why they have this rule because it's more and more common now in young women. Um, but really all you need to do is get a referral from your family doctor and you can get a mammogram. So it's really all you have to do. Well, and I, it is, it's surprising that there's these boundaries because I think the statistics, it's like one in eight women end up being one in eight. Yeah. That's a fairly high percentage, you know? So decreasing the barriers to self-examination and everything. Yeah. It's one in eight in Canada and in the U S so in Canada, it'll be like 28,000 women will be diagnosed this year and 260 men because men can also get breast cancer. Um, and in the States, it's like 287,000 women. So it is, you know, if you think about your group of girlfriends, eight of you, like one of you will get breast cancer. So, and you are seeing it in these women that are like thirties, twenties, even it's, it's crazy. Um, so, I mean, the mammogram rule, doesn't make sense to me because I don't have family history of breast cancer. Um, I did everything right. Like I had kids early, I breastfed both of them. That's supposed to lower your risk of getting breast cancer. Like it just, I haven't been on birth control since I was 28. So, I mean, like if you look at it, like all the things to avoid and all the things to do, like I did them, you know, and I still got breast cancer. So. Well, and I think that's, you know, talking to you and 
and having these conversations, I think it is, it's increasing that awareness of young, healthy women, even when you've done everything right, it can still happen. And to get to know your body, I think that there's a lot of shame in self-examination and knowing our own bodies and women aren't self-examining because they're not necessarily comfortable with their own breasts. And so, you know, bringing awareness so that you can recognize those subtle changes is so important. And again, conversations like this to give us that reminder. So how do you feel like you've been managing physically and mentally? I feel like that's, there's, you know, two very different parts of the puzzle, managing the physical symptoms and side effects of your treatment. And then also the mental and emotional side of everything. Um, well, I think mentally, I, I think I was more prepared than the average person, maybe because I just had a little bit more knowledge of what was coming, um, because of my job, but there's no real way to mentally prepare yourself for having cancer (laughs) or going for chemo. Like, um, I was really hoping at the beginning of this that I maybe wouldn't need chemo. Um, but because of how big my tumor is and, um, they noticed like different spots of it had spread across about like eight centimeters. So that right there, just, it's an instant chemo for me. So, that part was really hard for me. Um, the part about like, cause I will be having, um, a bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction. So where they'll take both my breasts and then do the reconstruction part. That part I was fine with, like, I don't care for me in my mind, I think take them. Like I'm not attached to my breasts, do whatever you have to do. You know, they're trying to kill me, just take them. <laughs> but the, the chemo part of it was really hard to, to swallow. And I, I think it was more so just the fact that I knew it was going to put me out for months and kind of just put your life on pause and everyone else's life on pause. And you're going to look sick. Like, I think when you associate bald people, you associate them with cancer and like, you know, even the movies we watched growing up, like everyone was sick, was bald with cancer and died. Like, so even just to try and explain that to my children, like, Hey, I'm going to have these treatments. They're going to make me sick. I'm going to look sick, but I'm going to be okay. Like it was, it was a really hard conversation to have. I can't even imagine how that feels getting that initial diagnosis and then to, yeah, share it with your kids and you're so, you're so strong to you try to avoid that fear and then also try to communicate to them without translating that fear. I mean, that must be really difficult. It was really difficult. (laughs) Um, I did, I go, I, like I have a therapist and I, I talked to her, um, before I talked to my kids, just, I think that's, it's kind of a good idea. Like, get some someone else's input who's not in it with you on maybe some great approaches on how to tell people so I have a 17 year old daughter and I have a 12 year old son so I chose to tell them um separately just because of their age difference so my daughter she she knows what's up you know I can't sugarcoat it for her I was just going to be honest whereas my son I I told him in a different way. I was honest with him, but I, you know, I didn't go into all the details where my daughter had different questions that he had. So for me, I thought that was, um, the best way of telling them was separately, but you know, it's whatever feels right for you. Absolutely. And yeah, Yeah. what's right for you as an individual sharing that information and right for your family. But I think that's incredible advice to anybody who, you know, God forbid has to also deliver information. (laughs) And So were you seeing a therapist prior to this or did you start seeing a therapist as a result of this? No, I've seen her for a a couple of years. Yeah. I think it's healthy to go, even if you have nothing wrong or everything wrong. I just, I'm always trying to. Oh, preaching preaching to the choir. Yeah, (laughs) 
I call it proactive therapy, right? Like knowing that you've been to therapy and have certain tools likely as a result of having conversations over the years probably did better equip you to handle something like this. And then to have someone in your corner who you already know and trust and has seen you through different periods of life, I can only imagine like what a great asset to have on your team right now. Yeah. I feel really lucky. Um, even having like the support of Ricky and my kids have been really helpful and understanding. And then even my boss, like she's just amazing and obviously understands. So I am in a really good mindset situation. Um, but dealing with the actual physical effects from chemo have been really, really hard. That's, that's the hardest part. I think is you can, it's like warming yourself up. Like, Hey, you're going to get hit by a bus (laughs) and then it happens. Like there's no, there's no way around it. So I've had two treatments now. Um, my last one was just last Friday. So I feel good. But the first, the first five days, really, really hard after. So what is your treatment schedule like? Uh, So they are going to have me on five months of chemo in total. So these first two months, um, I'm doing four, four different cycles, they call it like it's treatment is a cycle. So I go every two weeks. um, And then after that two months is up, I'll go every week for three months. So it'll be probably end of November that I'll be finally finished. (laughs) So what do you do to prepare yourself mentally and physically for your treatments and for the recovery kind of post-treatment or is there anything specific? Um, I think getting ready for the actual treatment, I just make sure like, I don't know, for me, it's like if my house is clean and my environment is like nice and calm and peaceful, then that makes me feel better. So I usually like to just have everything set up really nice for when I come home. Cause when you feel sick, you just want to do nothing. So, you know, if you're looking at like a dirty house or a dirty kitchen, it can just add unnecessary stress. Um, so everyone's been really good about just like keeping the house clean and limiting stress. Um, and I just, I kind of made like my bedroom into like this little sanctuary where I have books and TV and snacks. And if I don't want to leave my room, I don't have to, but, um, I don't know. Otherwise, like I've just been kind of taking little bits of advice from people who've gone through it as well. And like what foods made them feel better, what to eat, what not to eat. Like I'm getting a lot of information thrown at me, so it's kind of overwhelming, but, um, I definitely am taking like a little bit more seriously of like what I put into my body now Mm -hmm. where I was healthy before, but like, you know, now I'm like, do I really want to eat that? If I'm nauseous and not eating for three days, like, what do I want to put into my body? Right. Like really maximizing your nourishment from what you're eating. So, well, I, and I can imagine it's overwhelming to to get that information, of course, meant with love from everybody, but it's overwhelming like anything. And also I would imagine overwhelming to now have this platform and be, you know, let's say the expert to others. I know you had posted on Instagram, um, like some of the questions that you were getting, are you feeling like that is overwhelming or mainly a positive experience for you? No, it's not overwhelming. Honestly, it's, um, it's like calming. (laughs) I have had so much, um, so many people reach out to me and with just loving, encouraging messages. And also just people, um, have reached out saying thank you and have thanked me for sharing my story because they, they're going through something similar and they haven't wanted to tell anyone or they've been hiding, you know, for months. Like I think a lot of women, when this happens to them, um, they go into like kind of like a hiding place for two years and don't post photos and just kind of don't tell anybody. And it's so hard to do it alone. And I mean, I'm not saying do what I'm doing. Like 
But for me, I'm kind of an open book anyway. <laughs> so I just thought, well, why wouldn't I share what's going on with me? Because if it can help someone or, you know, make someone more aware of like to go get something checked, then it will be worth it. And the amount of messages I have received about women saying, oh my God, thank you. Like I booked my first mammogram the other day, or, you know, like, thank you. I just found out that I have ovarian cancer and I've been just crying in my room every day and you give me hope like that it is going to be okay. So it makes me, it doesn't make me feel overwhelmed. It makes me feel really, really happy. What amazing, an amazing purpose. And I mean, I have loved seeing how you've been sharing your story because I think it, it feels like you're taking your power over something that, you know, was, was really out of your control and to turn it into such a beautiful experience. And I've really admired how you are bringing in your family to the conversation and the videos, like watching you and your daughter shopping for wigs. I'm like, Oh my God, so much, you know, but so much fun. And I think it does, it decreases the fear and the stigma and shows that you can still make amazing memories. And, you know, obviously her being a little bit older, I'm sure makes that easier, but, and then, you know, seeing, Ricky shave your head and, you know, to see the beautiful process of you embracing that together has just been a really enlightening side to this story that I do feel like is often missed. Yeah. And, um, thank you for that. But I, I get a lot of messages, um, of people like at the beginning, just saying you're so strong and you're so positive and, um, how do you do it? So I did want to also share that I do get sad (laughs) and I'm not just this, you know, laughing bubbly person every day. Like I've, I do break down and I have my, my moments too. And it's different for everyone. Like, um, the shaving of the head, like I was fine in that video, but leading up to it, I had my moments. Like I burst into tears crying in the shower and my hair was falling out. Like, you know, and I wasn't ready to shave it that day. I waited another day. Cause I, I thought, you know, I need to be in a good mindset if I'm going to do this, but I'm, yeah, I'm strong, but I, I just want everyone to know, like I'm human and <laughs> it yeah. is hard. There's some hard times and even times when I think I'm fine. And then I just, something will trigger me and I'll cry. Like it's, it's putting your life on pause and it's not something that anyone should be dealing with at 36 or whatever age. Like it's just, it sucks. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I think that is so yeah. important because you have to allow yourself to feel those feelings. And I think it's like a grieving process probably where even grieving the loss of your hair and kind of the stages that you're going through, I'm sure it ebbs and flows and comes in waves. And I think you sharing that does, it gives people permission to say like, you know, yes, you can be positive through this journey, but it, there's also going to be those ups and downs and to allow yourself to go through it. And now you, you know, having this platform, I think it would be putting really unfair pressure on yourself to have that persona of only being positive and bubbly all the time, you know, sharing every step of it again, which is so beautiful about the honesty of your journey. So I would love to know, like, what do you think the key part to keeping yourself as positive as possible is? And what do you find helps you mentally and emotionally on the tougher days? Um, So, I mean, I've been kind of working on myself for a while, even before the diagnosis. Um, I, I'm a big believer in who you surround yourself with, um, is a big impact on your life and what you, what you spend your time doing. So if you are, you know, watching sad movies all the time, you might be sad. Like, I don't know. I just, I like reading positive things, listening to positive, motivating podcasts. I like being around positive, like encouraging people who support you, things like that kind of make me feel like I can do it and get through things. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard. Like it's, it's just kind of like talking to yourself every morning when you wake up, like I can do this, you know, like little steps, like 
one little thing at a time. If it's getting in the shower, okay, got a shower today. Like, you know, and just being grateful. Like I try every night before I go to bed, I try to just like list off at least three things that I'm grateful for. And if I have more than three, then great. But journaling helps, um, you know, reminding yourself of like, go through photos on your phone and look at happy times and like keep an album. Like I have an album called like funny where it's like funny videos. And it's just, if I'm feeling down, like I'll just watch them or things like that. Um, Whatever works for you, but there's going to be days where you don't want to get out of bed. (laughs) You don't want to do anything. Well, and celebrating like that's a victory that day. And for everyone, you know, whether it's a cancer journey or another illness or just a tough day for whatever reason, I say all the time, like if you can celebrate that one small win and feel that snowball effect. But I think those are all really great examples. And what, so knowing that you have, yeah, I would say like a much greater knowledge of breast cancer and this experience than the general person with what you do for work, is there anything specific that's felt really surprising to you going through this personal journey? Um, surprising how many women are actually getting diagnosed under the age of 40. Like that is shocking. Like I knew it was higher than normal, but I didn't know how common it really is. Um, like it's happening to women who are pregnant, who are having babies, who have little toddlers. Like, um, I couldn't imagine like dealing with this with small children and, and babies. Um, and I think the most surprising thing is just, it's still like, like you said, like women are still kind of shy about talking about it. And I don't know if it's just to do with because it's your breasts or anything like that, but even ovarian cancer, like women won't go for pap smears. And that's the one, like, it's the silent killer. Like you definitely need to do that. So even if it's just bringing awareness, like, you know what, just watch the YouTube videos on how to do a self-exam. A lot of women don't do them because they just they don't want to, or they're too scared to find out, or if they do feel a lump, they'll ignore it. And they just don't want to deal with it. It's like, well, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, really being your own advocate. Yeah. So no, I mean, I think that's the only thing that kind of um, surprised me is just, I think women do need to be motivated to just take charge and check your, check yourself because that, that did surprise me that most women don't. Totally. Knowledge is power. Well, and just hearing, like, I really do think this conversation will help so many people because just knowing that in a month, everything had been fine until it wasn't. And then you saw rapid progress in a month. You know, if you ignore it, it may not take that long for it to go from, you know, bad, bad to worse. So I'm not trying to scare women because I know like that sounds scary too, but I had been told for years, like, you're just prone to getting benign tumors. It's nothing to worry about. And, you know, and even when they wanted to do the biopsy the first time, when it turned out to be nothing, I I didn't really want to do it. I was in my early thirties and, but because of where I work, I'm like, nope, just do it. (laughs) It's better than the alternative. But um, yeah, like early detection is the most important thing. Have you been doing a lot of research about breast cancer and what the why behind the increase in younger women? I've been trying to find it. Um, there are so many different types of breast cancer. So mine is estrogen positive um, and progesterone positive. And then there's something called HER2, um, mine's negative. So because mine is a hormone driven breast cancer, there's different research than people who have like triple negative breast cancer. Um, I mean, if you're going to get breast cancer, they say the type that I have is the most treatable, um, and easy to, to treat. Whereas if you have triple negative, it's where everything is like estrogen negative, progesterone negative. Um, they don't, they don't really know what causes breast cancer. And everything that we kind of thought 
growing up, like, oh, if your mom has it, if your aunt has it, then you're more likely to get it. Like, it's just those stats really aren't there anymore. So um, I will be getting, um, what's it called? I'll be getting um, tested just to see if it's in my genes um, so that my daughter can know if she'll be more likely to get it or not. Because right. it's yeah. the, what is it? BRCA. Yeah. The genetic testing. Yeah. So yeah. I'm on the wait for that, but wow. yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah. the first one in my family to get it. So. Well, and I know researching cancer, like anything medical, it's, there's a million theories, a million reasons. Yeah. You know, and like you said, it, you did everything right and just beyond yeah. your control. So now controlling what you can, which is, you know, so empowering. And um, so if you're open to sharing, I would love to know if you have your surgery scheduled and when that process happens relative to your treatments. Yeah. So they wanted to do the chemo first. Um, so that's why I'm going to have the five months of chemo. Um, the reason for that is because once they do the, um, mastectomy, they basically do the incision like straight across. So they bring together like your skin, um, which is straight across. So to make sure that there's no cancer cells left in the tissue, um, they do the chemo first because ultimately chemo just shrinks cancer cells kills them, shrinks the tumor. So they wanted the best possible outcome. So I will probably have my surgery in December or January. Um, if everything goes the way it's supposed to go and I have all my treatments like on time, uh, then they have to have my surgery within six weeks. So and it'll then, kind of fall around that December yeah. beginning of January. Yeah. How quickly after that is the reconstruction process? So it kind of happens right away. Um, they'll take both the breasts and close it up. So I'll lose my nipples and they'll take everything. I also have breast implants, so they'll take those out, um, take all the tissue out. And then what the general surgeon does, the mastectomy part, and then the reconstruction plastic surgeon at the same time, she will put in um, tissue expanders. So they're just these, like, if you can picture like an half empty implant sort of um, it's filled with saline. And so she'll put those in and then I will go back to her like every week and she'll slowly fill them up with saline. Okay. So it gives your body some time to heal and then also allows like your skin to slowly, slowly stretch. So she'll fill them up with saline um, every few weeks until I'm at the size that I want to be. And then I will wait about, two, three months and go for my second surgery where they exchange them for implants. Wow. What a yeah. process. Yeah. So it's, that's the second surgery. Um, then there's a nipple reconstruction, you know, if you want to go that route, some women do, some women don't like they'll get um, a nipple tattoo, but they actually are really it looks really that. realistic. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it too personal to ask which you're planning on? I don't know. Like I kind of thought about it and I thought, I don't know if I'll do the nipples. Like, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of like, just not yeah. having any, <laughs> is that weird? No, no, it's like, you're shopping for what you want. I, 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 think don't know. That, I mean, it's just so fun to see your smile light up talking about this because it's like, it just well, is what I, it is. And you're I made a joke. Cause I'm like, it'll be like, I'm a real life Barbie doll. <laughs> Yeah, all like, no, no. I don't know if I want nipples. <laughs> well, and I've seen really beautiful tat like women choose really beautiful tattoo work. And yeah, yeah. I mean, and if you got time to think about it, really cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Because again, this is why when you said you were an open book, I was really grateful because I just feeling, like, you know, I don't know these things. We're not, no one's having yeah. these conversations. And um, oh, I was gonna say too, um, just on a speaking of good things coming, congratulations, because you just got engaged. Oh, yes. Thank you. And so what was the like timeline of this? I just, I just feel like it must be an interesting juxtaposition of like 
arguably one of the most beautiful times in your life. And I think this is also a beautiful time in your life in a very specific way, but obviously one of, if not the most challenging times in your life. Yeah. So the engagement, um, it was so sweet. So Ricky and I, we've been together like three and a half years. Um, and so I, I found out about the diagnosis on June 8th, I think. Um, and we had, we had decided to not tell the kids until the end of June, just because my daughter was graduating grade 12. And I was like, you know, let's, let's just let her have her, her grad. Like it's going to be about me for the next two years. So we just are truly the most selfless people. That is yeah. <laughs> well, we just, I don't know. I just didn't want it to be about me on her grad. So, um, we didn't tell her. And so then the next few weeks, like Ricky and I were just, you know, coasting along, pretending like everything was normal. And, um, one night he he said like let's go on a date night and we were trying to get in like as much date nights and things like that as we could and um he said like let's just go for dinner and um I got all dressed up and he's he's so funny he's like let's just pull over to the side and and take a photo and I have my I have my tripod camera and like he always has his tripod so I didn't think anything (laughs) of it and I was like okay whatever he's just trying to be sweet because he knows like eventually I'm gonna be sick and so but it was freezing that day and he takes me to like river landing and he's like come on over let's just take a photo and he sets up the camera and I'm just like turning blue and then all of a sudden um like a couple of my friends came around the corner and then my friend from back home, like BC surprised me. And then the kids came around and then I, I knew what he was doing. So they managed to get it all on video and it was, oh yes, and it was hard because it's like, I knew like, it was just so much more meaningful just because of what we both knew. And, um, my girlfriend who flew in, like she obviously knew. And so it was just, it was sweet. And he told me he actually had plans to do it this week because we were supposed to be in Vegas right now. <laughs> oh, but I'm not. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. But no, we had a trip to Vegas planned and um, he was going to do it in in Vegas anyway, but he just thought it'd be, he's like, he knows me well. And he's like, I, I knew you would probably want to have your hair. <laughs> yeah. Now you can have a good excuse to go celebrate in Vegas on the other side of all of this. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was so sweet. And I don't know, it almost made it more meaningful, more special. Like, honestly, everything has been put into perspective. Um, The things like you normally would get mad about or care about, like you just don't care. Oh yeah. Yeah. It all puts it into perspective. Yeah, it really does. So it was, yeah, it was better than I expected (laughs) I've just been like living vicariously through you what like watching the videos and the celebration and well I'm selfishly can't wait to see what you guys plan because I know it's gonna be beautiful when you're ready um so when did you decide to share your journey and how did you come to that decision I actually started um recording right after I went for my ultrasound so I had my ultrasound on May 31st um, and I could see the screen and I knew. So I think it's just because of where I work. Like I know what to look for and I've seen these ultrasounds so many times. And this one was scary. Like it was, it was like a big dark black circle with like legs and arms and vines coming out of it. So um, I called Ricky and I said like, I don't think this one's benign (laughs) and I just had a gut feeling. I just, I knew. So I decided to just kind of document it. Um, And then I documented like me going for my biopsy and things like that. And I just knew, I don't know. It was weird. I just knew. And I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with these videos, but I think I'm just going to document it. And then, and then it kind of just all became really clear. Like, I think I'm meant to like share it. Yeah. That is such a unique experience to have that 
knowledge to see the yeah. ultrasound and be able to know, you know, because usually you leave an ultrasound, of course, they're like, we can't tell you anything, wait to hear from your doctor. So, wow. Yeah. I was going to ask, this. oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just was going to say it's sometimes it's like a blessing and I'll, I'll, sometimes it's, it's kind of nice to know all the answers. And sometimes I kind of wish I was a little more in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Like I know, I know a little too much. <laughs> yeah, so close to home. Well, yeah. I was going to ask, is your doctor doing your surgery then? Yeah, she is. Oh, yeah, so wow. What I a just, special experience. Yeah. No, I, I love her. She's, she's so wonderful. And she said, I'm, I'm obviously going to do your surgery. So it's just such a comforting feeling like, okay, like I'm in good hands. I have such a good team of doctors. I love my oncologist. She's also like a young modern doctor. And, um, I feel like I'm on such a good plan and I have like such good care but you know at the same time like my life's on pause for a couple years so I'm not at work anymore and yeah well this I'm sure it gives you a great creative creative outlet and you know on the days that you're feeling good gives you something you're such a I mean again I know you we know each other semi personally but just from Instagram like you're such a busy active person you guys are always on the go I mean you literally engage to the tornado hunter so like (laughs) go, go, go all the time. I feel like that must be really hard for you to shift gears. Uh, yeah. Especially when I am stuck in a bubble, oh, yeah. <laughs> like COVID kind of prepared me, I guess a little bit, but, um, I, I don't have an immune system now and I'm one of those immune compromised people and, uh, I cannot afford to get anything. Otherwise my chemo treatments will be delayed. So I am, like the crazy person who's like, sanitize your hands, <laughs> wash yeah. your hands and don't come near me. But it's, it's true. Cause it's like, I, I can't afford to get sick now. So, and it's hard. Like I am a very busy person. So sitting in my house all day is, well, that's a little hard, especially when it's summer. Like it'd be better if it was winter. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, I think the last yeah. time I saw you in person was literally at the beach last yeah. summer. <laughs> So at least you can get into the, like, get into the yard and get some sunlight. Yeah. I've been trying to just go for little walks around the block and, um, you know, things like that, but it's just, it's hard when you're always on the go, but it's also kind of nice to just pause and, you know, reflect a little bit. Yeah. So are you like reading anything specific, watching anything specific while you're at home? I have been binge watching TV. <laughs> Tell us what you're watching. Any good recommendations? Um, well, I I watched the new Sex in the City series, like the one without Samantha. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> That's just my opinion. I just think you can't change it. Like you can't yeah. not have Samantha. Yeah. But no, I, I ended up getting all the all the things so I have like Crave and Disney plus and Netflix and yeah. it's bad. I should be reading more, <laughs> but you can mix in a few books. I'm, I'm mixing it up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. I watched a couple else of you get to do this. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Well, like embracing it. And this is your job now is to heal and just take care of you. Yeah. Right. And like, I think let- that's actually the hardest part is um, I'm such a doer for everyone else. And you know, whether it's like taking care of my kids or making meals or doing the grocery shopping and cleaning the house. It's like, I just, to, to take like a step back from that. And Ricky's like, your only job is to just get healthy. And like everyone else will have to pick up the slack, but I'm like, but they're doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We're washing the dishes wrong. (laughs) Just hovering. Yeah. Like giving yourself permission to rest. Well, and you know, what a great, obviously a great care team you have, but a great support system and partner to remind you of that. It's super important. So, I mean, for anyone going through it, like if you have like people you can call and rely on, or even just like a group of friends to rotate, bringing meals or something like it's hard because those days where you're wiped out, like I'm not doing anything. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And people want to help, you know, like people yeah. want to love on you and support. Um, I have this conversation a lot with, you know, clients based on various things where people offer help and they don't accept it because they say the word burden. I'm like, take that out of your vocabulary. People want to help and it can take a village and it should. And it's a, you're allowed to embrace that support. Yeah. I have a hard time with, with that too. Yeah. I think getting better at it. Good. Good for you. I feel like women, you know, like every woman that I know is wearing 10 different hats all the time and they're the doers and doing it all. So to be forced to take a step back, I can imagine is so challenging. Yeah. But no, I've been overall good and just been kind of researching more about, um, foods and things like that. And <laughs> I would love to know, like, what kind of foods are you eating? What's your nutrition like? So when I'm feeling good and I'm not nauseous, um, I'm trying to just eat really healthy. Like just kind of like this morning I had, um, egg whites for breakfast and just with some fruit. And then I've just been trying to eat like my regular, I love chicken and rice I'm a chicken and rice girl. <laughs> so I've just been eating chicken rice and with some vegetables. Um, but it's really hard. Like the days when I'm sick, cause everything tastes like copper, um, is one of the side effects. And so, um, and I'm nauseous. So during those days, like I'm, I've been able to keep down like watermelon. Um, yes, how you've been eating fresh fruit, watermelon and kiwi, like things that are a little bit more sour, don't taste as coppery for some reason, <laughs> which is weird. Um, and then just like, toast just because I'm trying to not, you know, have nothing in my stomach. Yeah. Just to settle you. Yeah. But, um, I've just been trying to stay away from like process stuff a little bit more. And, um, I do follow someone, I think his name's Chris beat cancer on Instagram and he's a big health advocate, um, on greens and plant-based foods. And so, like I said, like it's just been a lot of information, but I, I do want to kind of, you know, look into that more. And there's a lot of research behind like the types of foods that you eat after having cancer can really help. So. Oh yeah. I can only imagine that the information overload could totally burn you out because there's just so Mm -hmm. many theories and opinions and finding what works for you and what makes you feel better. Um, I was going to say, imagine that this you know, it's hard on you and also hard for your support system to see you not at your normal level. So how is Ricky dealing with it? And how are your kids handling it? Ricky, Ricky's been amazing. Um, he's like literally my rock. Um, he's only really broke down a couple of times, but he, he's just like my biggest supporter. Like in even the moments when I'm having like a really hard time, he's just like, this is only temporary. Like, you know, we have so many years ahead of us and he's always reminding me of like the positives and he's been so good and the kids have been really good. And, um, it's kind of cute. My son, he's 12. And when I was feeling like pretty sick one day, I texted him and I said, can you, can you bring me a a ginger ale? (laughs) And he texts back and he's like, maybe you should have some yogurt instead. <laughs> and I didn't understand. I was like, no, I need, I need a ginger ale. Like, can you bring me a ginger ale? He's like, what about some milk or juice? And I was like, oh, I get it. Like he's, he's trying to like bring me healthy choices, but he didn't understand. Like, get me the damn ginger ale. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, they're really so good. About, they're so sweet and they've been helpful. And um, I try to still just, do my best at not being, you know, sick and lying around when I'm, when I'm with them, because I don't want them to see me like that, but some days you can't help it. Of course. Yeah, of course. Oh, thank you. That's, I mean, it's just beautiful that you're going through it together as a family. And I'm so happy that you have that support. Um, I want to be respectful of your time, but I'd love to know, like, what are you really hoping most that people will take away from hearing your story and following along on your journey? Um, I think, I hope they can take away, well, two things. Um, the awareness part, just that it does happen to women 
that are young um, and to just, you know, be really good about doing your self exams and following up with things like that. But more so whatever is happening to you in your life, in your day to day, like you can get through it. So I hope it, you know, it, whether it's women that are going through something like this already, or even just regular day-to-day struggles, like maybe I can show them that mindset really does change things and you're always going to get through it, even if it's super hard, but there's always something to be positive about and look forward to. Yeah. I was thinking when you were speaking earlier, um, you're talking about podcasts and books and I was just thinking about Glennon Doyle. I don't know if you've read or listened to any of her stuff, but her mantra is you can do hard things. And I feel like that's, Oh yeah. yeah. That should be your tagline right now. I'll steal Um, it. Yes. I'm sure she'd be proud to have you steal that. I would love to know. I have do five kind of rapid fire questions with everyone before they go. Uh, Who's your biggest role model? Do you have a role model? That's a hard one. If I say Britney Spears, I feel like I'm going to get judged. (laughs) No, I love Britney. No judgment zone. I'd say Britney only because everything she's been through and she's still out there smiling, dancing. And I love Britney. I'm a Britney fan forever. Mm -hmm. I love that answer. Uh, (laughs) What is the best advice you've ever received? I think it's more so just to kind of trust your intuition and listen to what you feel in your gut and just do it. Great advice. Best book or resource you'd recommend to people? Uh, It's not so much a book, but it's the mindset mentor podcast that I listen to. He has an an Instagram page too, but I just love his podcast. Yeah. I love a good podcast. I'm going to, I've listened to it before. I'm going to add that back on my list. What's your personal mantra or words you live by? Um, if you can dream it, you can do it. Love it, girl. And last but not least, for everyone who wants to learn more about you, follow along with your story and what you've got going on, where can they find you? Uh, so I did do, I started up a YouTube page um, and my link is in my Instagram bio. So my Instagram is just at Terza May and I have a link in my bio and it's got my YouTube page and you can follow me on there. I put a little bit of longer videos, more um, like explanation on treatment and things like that um, for people who are interested on YouTube. Yeah. And I'll link everything on my website for everyone to go follow along. And I just wanted to give you the biggest thank you and virtual hug. I'm so grateful to chat with you at this point in your journey. And of course, follow along and just for you to share your experience with all the listeners. Well, thank you so much for having me just it's so so important and I appreciate it so much that's all the time we have together this week thank you so much for being here with Tirza and I I wanted to mention that Tirza also has a GoFundMe that she didn't mention and if you would like to support her journey or make a donation to support breast cancer those links will be included on my website under the podcast tab Don't forget to move your body, nourish your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. See you next week and keep yourself well.